oh my god it hasn't been recording this whole time you're lying you're yeah lying, you're right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, i'm on to your wily ways oh, you didn't even on. fall for it for a second no, not even a second oh. I, know, I know you that's annoying <laughs> According to AAA, the national gas price average will hit at least $2.80 in March, adding up to increases of at least 5 to 10 cents in local markets until refinery operations are stable, solidifying predictions that March will have the highest gas prices in 2021, barring, of course, hurricane season. And let's face it, with everything going on, let's not rule out the possible resurgence of murder hornets. The good news is Jeanette Castellano-McGee, AAA spokesperson, also said that, quote, while the month is roaring in like a lion, by the end of it, we could see some relief at the pump as refineries resume normal operations, especially if crude oil prices show signs of stability. Retailers are always on the lookout for new, creative strategies to drive pump-only consumers inside the store to the higher margin items. Often, it can be very tempting to offer fuel brand loyalty at the pump and be done with it. And those programs are good for customers and your fuel provider, but they aren't establishing meaningful relationships with your brand, and they aren't getting customers inside your store. If consumers can get these fuel brand loyalty incentives at C-Store A through Z, they don't have a reason to pick your store specifically. Today, I am joined by Dan Durbin, Director of Logistics at RL Jordan Oil, and Rebecca Birch, EVP of Sales at Electrum Holdings, to provide some insights on how to navigate the demands of competitive fuel pricing, strategies to bring pump-only consumers inside the store, and the future of the convenience store model as we become less gas-centric in the years to come. Welcome to both of you. It's so nice to have you. Thank you, Allie. I'm excited to be here. I'm happy to be with you again, Allie. So, Dan, let's start with you. We talked last episode about the overwhelming number of loyalty programs that center on gas discounting alone. We also discussed gas discounting and its effect on building a profitable reward program. From a retailer's perspective, I'd love for you to expound on your philosophy regarding fuel discounting as it relates to a loyalty program. I'll be happy to. Uh, first of all, let me uh, be clear that I do believe that gasoline discounting can work. And it is working in many situations. However, I have seen other companies have real trouble with a fuel discounting program as their primary way of creating loyalty. I don't do it at every store. And I think I explained that uh, the last time. I don't believe that, that it's necessary in every market. When you introduce a gasoline discount into the market and when you look back, you see that you really didn't accomplish much other than just giving a lot of your profit away. And I can tell you when loyalty becomes like a game of Texas Hold'em poker and everyone starts pushing more of their profit chips in the middle of the table, thinking that their competitors are going to back off when they do it, they're going to be in shock when they find their profit taken from them when multiple players go all in. I don't care how big the gas discount gets, someone is ready to play the game with you. What are your thoughts on fuel-branded loyalty programs? We have a major brand in 10 of our stores, and um, the reward program has been uh, good. I can see where we've had an increase in our gallonage, 
but it's not what they had projected that we would have, and it's been very costly. And the way its cost is put into the program is by raising my cost. I'm paying about $0.10 cents per gallon more for their product than I would a similar non-branded product. And the reward is a, is $0.05 cents a gallon on every gallon. So I'm paying for that reward, which is fine as long as I'm building uh, customer satisfaction, selling more gallons. I haven't seen anything that it's done to increase my inside sales. We have to have our hotspot reward program in order to maintain the loyalty of our local customers. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head with fuel provider loyalty. Um, you know, they don't care where customers buy the fuel as long as it's their fuel. Hotspot obviously does care very much where customers are buying their fuel. So with all that in mind, how should retailers structure their loyalty offerings to best engage with customers? Ali, I would recommend that they build their program from the inside out, not from the outside in. We need to find a way to reward customers for every interaction they have to make our customers feel special each time they come in the store. And it's a small price to pay to touch each customer in a positive and meaningful way. Truck drivers are a very important demographic in convenience store loyalty and an example of a highly profitable relationship for customer and retailer alike. Can you talk about ways to target truck drivers directly? Allie, we try to start that loyalty experience as soon as they drive their rig on the lot. When they pull up to the pump, they're going to see that we offer triple points on diesel fuel. They get a 1,000 bonus points for buying 12 gallons of DEF. When they come in the store, they get a free hot dog, a free large bag of Frito chips, and a free large fountain drink. We also make sure that we put one of our trucker mugs in their hand so that they can feel a connection to us as far as their coffee purchases are concerned. Points totals grow fast because of the large amounts of fuel that they purchase on a single visit and that they are really our most profitable customer. We make $23 profit on the average death purchase. Can you imagine that? I don't mind giving rewards uh, because if I can create one customer today, I've increased my profitability potentially four or $500 a month per store. And, you know, that's what I'm really looking to do. And the trucker is the quickest way for me to create new profit in my store. It's important to note that one size doesn't fit all in a loyalty program, obviously, and not just in regards to one convenience store brand versus the other, but often within the needs of a brand's various locations. At Electrum, all of our offerings can be done on a store-to-store basis or by brand. Is there an example of when retailers might want to offer a specific loyalty offering only at certain select stores and not brand-wide? I thought a good example of how we make things work from one type of store to another actually takes place within our shell stations. We have a commercial that's based on the voice of a character which sounds exactly like George Costanza from Seinfeld. I don't know if you saw the episode where he was dipping potato chips in dip and then he would double dip. And one of the other partygoers confronted him and said, Did, did you just double dip that chip? You double dipped the chip. Double dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. Well, I'm sorry, Timmy, but I don't dip that way. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, you don't, huh? No. You dip the way you want to dip. I'll dip the way I want to dip. Give me the chip. Hey, hey, hey. In the commercial, the customer says, you can't double dip. This is a shell station. You you can only get shell rewards. And George turns around and says, I'll dip the way that I want to. I'm going to use my shell reward card. And then I'm going to turn around and double dip with my hotspot reward card. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Now I'm hungry and really want to watch that episode of Seinfeld. But, um, you know, we're doing a podcast. So leaving George Costanza behind for a moment. Um, Becky, According to Nax, um, the U.S. convenience store count stands at 150,274, and the industry fared, you know, pretty well despite an unpredictable year in 2020. But the number of small brands continues to decline. What is your advice for those retailers, really regardless of size, who want to initially attract new loyalty customers with gas discounting? You know, I, I think Dan makes such a great point about not wanting to initiate a program based on loss leader tactics. But, you know, many consumers cite gas rewards as a strong motivator for initially joining a rewards program. So, Becky, how can retailers who want to include gas discounting in their program make it profitable for their brand? You know, Hotspot was very successful in implementing a loyalty service that was not fuel-centric. We have a lot of other customers who very much want to make fuel a centerpiece of their loyalty offering. And for them, there are a lot of choices. We have a retailer who discounts gas for all of their rewards customers. So the customer who's not a rewards customer pays full price and all rewards members get a three cent discount. And on top of that, if the customer gives them their checking account information, turning the loyalty card into a pay enabled card, they give them an extra discount because that saves them a great deal of money over what Visa and MasterCard charge them. We also have customers who want to tie fuel discounting into inside purchases, which is a brilliant idea. We have a customer who takes uh, 10 or 12 high margin items inside the store and they advertise if you buy one of these, the next time you purchase fuel, you get a discount. We have another customer who ties discounts into how much you spend inside the store. And they have even structured it such that the more you spend, the higher your discount. And then the customer has complete control over whether they take the discount when they first earn it or they bank it for a larger discount down the road. And then lastly, we have a customer who offers a discount if they pump gas first and then subsequently come inside and purchase something. And they do a combination of a retroactive discount on fuel and then other rewards on top of that. Those retailers who offer inside discounts advertise them on the pump. And since 70% of the people who pump gas never come inside, if the retailer can incentivize even a small percentage, that can make a huge difference in profits. You know, Dan talked earlier about the impact of touching customers in a positive and meaningful way. How can retailers start to create that personalized customer experience at the pump, you know, before they even go into the store? One of our customers 
came to us and made this special request. And it's been so successful, we're now rolling it out to many other retailers. We have the ability that when a rewards customer identifies themselves at the pump, we can immediately send them a text message with an invitation to come inside. And that can be based on a number of criteria, and we've got customers who do it all three of these ways. We can send them a text based on their purchase history. So whatever they're in the habit of buying in the store, we will find a product that closely matches their past purchases and promote that item to them. We also have the ability to promote a single item to everyone who pumps gas. And then you can take one item that's already on discount to customers on the inside and promote that. In the first three months of this offering, it has increased the number of people who come inside by 7% and doubled the average ticket size. Additionally, our retailers can promote enrollment for the loyalty program both at the pump and at the POS by simply asking the customer for their phone number. We immediately send the customer a text message with a link to enroll on our mobile app. So this is an option that increases enrollment across the board. We can also display the name of the rewards customer to the cashier at the POS. It can even be done at the pump. This creates a very personal relationship between the C-Store and the customer and makes the customer feel special. So we have a lot of creative ways to engage the customer on an ongoing basis, both at the POS and at the pump, allowing our retailers to establish that very personal relationship with the customer and making the customer feel very special. Thank you, Becky. Um, Dan, I'm going to circle back to you now. You know, convenience stores sell an estimated 80% of the fuel purchased in the United States. But 2020 saw, you know, anything from a 10 to 15% decrease in fuel demand with so many people working from home and a huge decline in commuting. Many predict working from home will continue to rise over the next 10 years. And the last episode, we talked about what the future holds for the convenience store industry. And Dan, one of the things you said was that gasoline will become less and less the centerpiece. What is going to replace fuel as the cornerstone of the convenience store industry in the future? I wish I had a crystal ball that could tell me what was going to happen down the road. We do know that uh, gasoline-powered engines are going to be going away. General Motors announced the other day that they were going to be completely electric by 2035. That's just 14 years from now. So it's not like it's way out there in the future. It's, it's pretty close, actually. And uh, we're going to see gasoline decreasing as the centerpiece of our stores. And um, we have to make some changes. We have to be willing to make changes. If we take the approach that everything's going to be the same 10 years from now that it is right now, we're going to be left behind. The technology that is coming down the road on electric cars on electric batteries is going to be such that the batteries are going to be smaller and they're going to hold more energy than they do today. And a car is going to be able to go a lot further on a charge. And I 
I mentioned in the last episode, I even can see a day where the batteries would actually be slipped in and out. It would be similar to the way people change out a propane tank right now. Rather than having them have to sit there, even for five minutes, that five minutes is a long time to sit in one spot. And while you can utilize that time, as far as loyalty is concerned, it also will lower your sales. We learned early on in the convenience food store business that the way you made the most money was to turn over your parking places. And that's going to still be true today. And if people are, are occupying a spot for too long, it is going to lower our sales. So we know that we've got to stay ahead of the curve as far as technology is concerned. And quite frankly, we're going to be uh, going to car manufacturers and telling them, you need to work with us if you want to be the most relevant that you can be when it comes to uh, battery technology and the way that your customers are going to feel about their ability to move around the country. I think that car companies are going to listen, and I think they're going to begin to work together rather than so independently like they are now. It really doesn't make any sense for them to be working independently. They should be working together, developing batteries that uh, can be moved from one vehicle to another even. You know, I think you make such a great point. And, you know, you're certainly right. This is not some, you know, far off thing. It's it's happening pretty soon. Um, you know, according to the Edison Electric Institute, the number of electrical vehicles on the road is projected to reach 18.7 million by 2030, which is going to be up from the 1 million at the end of 2018. And to support this growth, about 9.6 million charge ports will be required, representing, you know, a pretty significant investment in EV charging infrastructure. In the last episode, you predicted battery charging stations will come to hotspot in the near-ish future. What are some ways to incorporate your rewards program into those future trends like charging hubs or battery stations? Well, we're negotiating right now with Duke Power to put in charging stations at all of our stores. And it's like every other thing that we do. Uh, when we started an inside-out program, we literally give customers uh, a reward for everything that they do with us. And that will be the same when it comes to charging. We're going to be making money on charging folks' cars, and we're going to offer them a reward for doing that business with us. Rewards works in every situation, and it will continue to work, whether it's gasoline or whether it's uh, battery-powered cars, rewards are going to be the difference uh, between whether people pick us or pick another convenience food store chain. That's great. You know, and Dan, uh, I sincerely, sincerely hope that maybe one day in the not-too-distant future, I get to ask you about how to incorporate flying cars into the rewards program. <laughs> that will be the dream. But until then, I think that this is a good place to end it today. Ben, I thank you both for your valuable insights. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having us. And thank you for listening. You can subscribe to get emails about upcoming episodes of Loyalty Beat on our website, electrumloyalty.com. And if you are a convenience store retailer and have a topic you want us to cover or questions for the podcast, you can go to the contact page on our website. Please follow us wherever you stream your podcasts. And most importantly, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. Mm -hmm.